So tell me, what are your thoughts for tomorrow night, performance night? How are you feeling? Very nervous, to be honest. <laughs> a little bit worried that uh, you know people are public speaking that you're going to just stand up there and forget everything. But I think if we practice enough tomorrow, then it should be pretty sweet. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rockstar confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Come on, now, what was the sign for what? When was the last time you got out of your comfort zone? And I mean, did something that really, really scared you, something that was so out of the ordinary, it got you shivery just thinking about it but deep down that you knew you had to do it if you wanted to really grow and develop yourself. Take that thing and multiply the fear factor by 10 and you'll have the experience of stand-up comedy. My name is Christina Cantors and this is episode 156 of Stand Out Get Noticed and I'm taking you into the world of stand-up comedy. Why? Because last week, I took part in a stand-up comedy course run by the School of Hard Knock Knocks. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, it may be because I interviewed the school's co-founder, Maury Morgan, on the podcast in episode 152. And you may recall me saying that I was going to do the course. Well, I did, and now I'm here to report back for you. You may want to do stand-up, maybe you don't, that's totally fine, as, but if you are looking to get out of your comfort zone and want to be inspired to do something that challenges you, then you've got to keep listening. A little bit about the course, it ran over five nights, and on the fifth night, myself and my fellow graduating classmates took to the stage and we each performed five minutes of our own comedic material, is that a word, comedic? I hope so, to an audience of about 50 people. That's a pretty big audience for your first time doing stand-up. Now, to me, doing stand-up comedy is the scariest form of public speaking you can possibly do. My friend Rick told me just before, he said, oh, it's like the bungee jumping of public speaking, which I quite like the analogy. Don't you agree? Not only are you the only one on stage with a single mic in hand, you have a crowd of people, often drunk, waiting for you to make them laugh. Terrifying. (laughs) So in this episode, I want to share my experience as well as introduce you to my brave classmates so you can hear their perspective as well. And my goal for this episode is to have you walking away feeling inspired to take on your own comfort challenge. It doesn't have to be stand-up. It could be something you've been meaning to do for a while, maybe a sport or a hobby or trying a new class, but you never got around to it. Or maybe you might start researching and looking around for something new and challenging to do. In any case, I want you to know that you are not alone. You will be in the exact same boat as the people you're about to meet. Um, There is a language warning for this episode. If you are offended by swearing or if you have young kids around, please switch off now. You've been warned. All right. Firstly, why did I put myself through such torture? You might be wondering. Um, I've got a few reasons here that I want to share. Number one, look, I figured if I could learn stand-up and get comfortable with it, then I would have conquered this public speaking thing. Woo! Because if you can do stand-up, you can do anything, right? 
So, okay, it may not be as black and white as that, but it certainly felt like it at the time when I went to sign up. I'm like, this is the ultimate. Again, the bungee jumping or the skydiving of public speaking. Second, I saw this as an opportunity to show you, dear listener, that I am continuing to challenge myself in order to develop my own confidence and speaking skills in the hopes of inspiring you to do the same. If you want to grow and develop, this is what I truly believe in, you've got to challenge yourself. It may not be as extreme as stand-up comedy or jumping out of a plane or whatever, and that's okay. Whatever your limit is, whatever your comfort bubble, you can you go and you gently push yourself out of that comfort bubble. You go to your own edge, and then when you push yourself through that, you'll find a new edge, I promise. The bubble just keeps getting bigger, and you just keep pushing through that and so on and so on. Um, and finally, I wanted to learn stand-up to learn how I could add more humor to my other speaking engagements. I read a quote the other day from a person who books speakers for high-end events, and they said, there are two types of speakers, speakers who are funny and speakers who are unemployed. Um, So I'm keen to give my presentations a humor boost. Um, Although, as you're about to find out, I don't know if the humor I write is suitable for business presentations, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Now, those, those were my reasons why I wanted to do stand-up. Now, I'd like to introduce you to some of the other students who did the course with me. There were 12 of us in the group and everyone was super encouraging and supportive of, e- of each other. Now, I was first curious to learn from my fellow classmates why they had decided to give stand-up a go. First up, here's Adam Ashton, who is also a podcaster. He runs a show called What You Will Learn with another Adam, Adam Jones, who was also doing the stand-up course. Um, So here's Adam Ashton. Uh, So we read a book each week and try to learn new things. And one of the books we did was all about comfort challenges, getting outside your comfort zone. This is certainly that. We're stretched way beyond our comfort zone uh, and just going to the next level here. Sweating absolute bullets. Yeah. So I've been doing comedy for about three, four years in America. That's Carter from the US. He's a speaker like me and at the time of recording had been in Australia for about three weeks. And I was coming over here for three months and I'm like, what better way to come and get a video and send that video out to people? And have you noticed anything different about comedy in Australia versus comedy in the States? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Australians are a lot looser, more chill. Uh, So they laugh more. They also clap a lot easier. Uh, they don't get offended by, you know, like words and language and being as PC as Americans are. I think we're number one in sensitivity in America. <laughs> I do. Next up was Ruby Malcolm Black from New Zealand. She's only 18. Amazing. What a champion. When I asked why she joined the course, she replied, My mum made me. She bought it for my 18th birthday and told me that I'm going because she'd already paid for it. And how are you finding the course so far? I've actually really enjoyed it. Like, I didn't think I, I would. I was really nervous. This is my second time doing it, my second attempt, really. But, no, I've really enjoyed it, and I can see myself using what we've learnt, like, in future. So, yeah. Ruby wasn't the only one who had been unexpectedly signed up to the course by a loved one. Here's another classmate, Mark. But it wasn't his mum who signed him up. My wife, for the first time in a year of marriage, actually fucking listened to me. <laughs> She doesn't listen to me for anything. We're walking along the beach and I say, oh, she said, is there anything you haven't done you wish you would have done? I said, oh, maybe I would have, you know, when I was living in New York, I should have gone up to a stand-up comedy one night and gone to stand-up mic or something like that one night. She said, you still do it. I said, no, I'm too old to do it. My birthday's a couple of weeks ago and she surprised me with this. The one time she listens to me. <laughs> She'll never listen to me again, so I should take advantage of it. That's why I'm here. 
So are you happy that she listened to you this time? I'll let you know tomorrow night about 10 o'clock. Goes to show you've got to be careful what you wish for. I was so impressed with Ruby and Mark. Would I mean, would you do a course like that if someone gifted it to you? Would you go ahead and do it? Or would you freak out and not go? Hmm. Uh, okay, next up is my friend Adam Sinemre. Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. Next up is my friend Adam Sinemre, who is the community lead at my co-working space. Oh, his name is so hard. Um, I've just always been interested in doing stand-up comedy. I've done open mics a couple of times, but ever since like late teens, I mean, even before that, as a teenager, I've always loved stand-up comedy. And early 20s, I was always like, I should do it, I should do it. And I just always like would just back out. I was out at a comedy night and talking to some comedians and they were like, I run an open mic night, come along. So I bit the bullet and just said, screw it, let's do it. Um, I did one other open mic. I did the Raw Heat um, at the start of this year. Didn't progress, but I was like, I want to get better. And I was umming and ahhing about it. And then you said you were going to do it. And I'm like, well, why not? Love it. Excellent example of trying something once and then making the effort to learn it and have another crack. Good on you, Adam. I might add that we had four Adams um, in the group of 12. So if you're getting confused, um, I am referring to different Adams. It's not the same Adam. Now, speaking of Adams, here's another Adam. I've got a wedding and a couple of uh, MCing nights I've got to do. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to learn how to write and, uh, you know, create some original content. What's been the most surprising thing or interesting thing about the course that you didn't expect? Uh, probably um, the ability to, to, to create a joke, to write a joke based on absolutely nothing whatsoever. Now, I loved the variety of whys. Clearly, not everyone wanted to become a professional stand-up comedian. Some people were keen to extend their speaking and writing skills. Others were forced into it. So I want you to have a think about your why. Because when it comes to doing something new and out of your comfort zone, this is going to be really important. It's, it's the why that helps you to stick to it. And your why could be as simple as, I want to prove to myself that I can do it. You know, in 20, 2014, when I was living in New York, I attempted stand-up at an open mic night. You might have heard me mention it before. You can find it at thecmethod.com slash stand-up. It's a very early episode. It's like episode 11. Now, I didn't have much notice at all for that, and I, I barely prepared, and I was packing myself. I was terrified. But to make myself do it, I had to remind myself of why. Now, I wasn't doing it to become a professional comedian. I was doing it because it scared me. That's what prompted me to do it. I wanted the challenge. And that's what actually got me through it, reminding myself that, hey, the fact that this scares you means you have to do it. You said you wanted to do these things. You said you wanted to challenge yourself. Well, here's your opportunity. Go and do it. So this is why the why is really important. Now, I want to draw out a few lessons that we as a group took away from the whole experience. Remember the first Adam you heard from? Here's his podcast co-host, Adam Jones. Like the way I say the worst case scenario is you bomb on stage and at the very bare minimum, you're going to get a, something out of that, um, a little bit of growth. So, you know, so far during the course, I've bombed a few times, which is <laughs> I've really landed any good jokes, but um, hopefully that all changes tomorrow night. Um, for me, it's just a whole new art form that I never knew was out there. Um, I didn't think stand-up comedy was, you know, as such a technical skill to learn but there's a lot of stuff and um, it's all very learnable so you can take it away and take it into whatever you're doing it's good 
I really like that Adam mentioned this because one thing that was really powerful for me, especially in the first few nights of the course, was learning how to bomb. And in comedy, when you bomb, it means that no one laughs. So you tell a joke and it bombs, it means no one laughs. And in the course, we had to write a joke. We had 15 minutes to write a joke and then perform it in front of everyone on, on the mic with the bright light shining in our face. And look, a lot of the time, it wasn't funny, right? We didn't have much, we didn't have time to, much time to write the joke. So we had to get used to failing on stage, bombing on stage. And at the start, it was really hard to get up there because we'd all be like, oh, it's not very funny. It's not very good. I didn't have much time, still needs work. But we'd get up and we would do it anyway. And even if no one laughed, it was okay. And we'd be there to help each other, you know, with ideas on how we could make it funnier. And after a while, you did get used to it. It was still hard, but you got used to standing up on stage and having no one respond or no one laugh. So I found these mini failures to be really, really powerful, a great learning lesson. I also loved Adam's approach to stand up as being a new skill to learn rather than something you can or you can't do. This is a proper example of a, a growth mindset. And I talk about this a lot you know, around communication and speaking, being a skill that you can learn. That's often the first thing that I need to share with people to help them see that this is like any other skill. Did you think Jerry Seinfeld woke up one day and was excellent at stand-up? No, he really, really worked on it over and over again. And his strategy is to write every day. I've been reading about Jerry Seinfeld and how he wrote jokes. He would write every single day and cross it off on his calendar. And it didn't matter if it's good content or terrible content. The point is that you keep up the consistency and that's how you improve. Now, this was a sentiment echoed by one of our guest teachers, Dave Ivkovich. Here's Dave. Remember what I said? Yeah, yeah. Sift through the crap, write it down. That's garbage. Throw it away. Write it down. Get all the crap off you and gold will fall. Mm. So you, you could you know you could write five pages and only get three sentences that are hilarious. Mm. Well at least you got those five pages out yep. of your head. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Sometimes you gotta sift through the crap to get to the gold. Aaron and I are finding it's like this on YouTube actually. We're researching places to visit in Europe and we're trying to find good travel videos, but there is a lot of crap out there. A lot of crappy videos and photos that say travel guide but aren't travel guides at all. So side note, if you know any good travel vlog vloggers, please do let me know. Um, okay, a side, a uh, bit of a side gripe there. Anyway, uh, moving on. So Mark, who was one of the students, the, the guy whose wife enrolled him into the course, I found him to be excellent at writing content. And when I asked him how, like why he was so good at it, he said that stories were key. I've got so many stories, but that's what life is. Life is stories. The question is, if, what you don't think is funny is funny to everybody else. So if you just record your entire life, the one regret I had is that from the age of 20, I didn't keep a diary of all those stories. So I often remember them, but I often forget them. And then I... I just wish I'd written them down for 30 years and that would have made a great book. <laughs> it's true though. You, you, your whole life's an adventure. You just don't realise it till 20 years later when you look back. So, a quick tip from me. If you're looking to add more stories to your presentations, start a story bank. Don't wait until you're 50 like Mark. Like he said, that was his one regret. When something funny or unusual or profound happens to you, write it down. A blog is a great way to do this. 
I started a blog back in 2013 and I used to blog about things that I learned. Many of those stories I still refer to today. Um, yeah, and in next week's podcast, I'll actually talk specifically about what we can learn from stand-up to apply to our business communication and presentations. So I'll talk more on storytelling then. Okay, what's next? Oh, I do have one quick lesson from another classmate, Sean. If anyone is going to be doing the course, make sure you get a little bit of time free because you're really going to want to put some time into doing that, uh, that joke writing stuff. But um... I did find myself running out of time for joke writing, just like with what um, Dave was saying before about you've got to write five pages to get three lines of funny. When you've got only five nights and a course to write five minutes of material, you are quite pressed for time. So absolutely agree with Sean. Make sure you leave enough time for joke writing. Do you think that you're naturally a funny guy? Funny's like beauty, you know, it's, everyone has a different opinion. That's Liam. He had the opportunity to do the stand-up course through his work as a radio presenter. He's only 22 years old, yet he managed to tell the filthiest jokes out of everyone there. I think I'm funny, some people think I'm funny, other people don't. What's been the biggest difference between doing stand-up and doing radio? Um, people can see my face. You've got a beautiful face. Again, no one can see my face on this. Ah, <laughs> oh, Liam, we love a good face for radio joke. Okay, thanks for hanging with me. I'm now going to take you to the performance evening itself. And Maury, who you've met before on the podcast, Maury Morgan, he gave everyone a quick hello and welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're starting. Good to see everyone. My name's Maury and I'm the admin guy. That's what I Then Ben Horowitz, our stand-up teacher, warmed up the audience. Really important. We learned it's much easier to speak to an audience that's already laughing than to go on cold. So, thank you, Ben. important lesson it's okay to woo but not by yourself i hope you're taking notes yeah okay after his warm-up ben introduced us one by one now i was the fifth person to perform and i am going to play you an edited version of my set and i say edited because and i wish this wasn't the case um but it is quite rude and i swear a lot which is really not very professional and not the sort of content I want to publish. But it got laughs. So what can you do? I can hear some of you going, Christina. I know, I know. I, I, I honestly have been agonizing over this all weekend. Do I share it or not? It's not really, I want to share what I'm doing, but it's not very professional. So I've decided to compromise a little bit and I'll share an edited down version. Now, a few things to note. Number one, Parts of it are quite visual, so you actually need to see the action for it to make sense. Number two, I do swear, so a language warning if you have kids around. And number three, I really have nothing against Asians or accountants. Okay, are you ready? Let's do it. Here's the edit edited version of my Melbourne stand-up comedy debut. <laughs> 
evening, friends. Ooh, it's a lady. Ooh, awesome for the evening. Uh, my name is Christina Cantors. Yes, Cantors like the horse. Although, the way I usually get around, I usually walk. So, I do have a Chinese name as well. It's Jing, which my dad tells me means very beautiful. Actually, he doesn't know what it means, because he's not Chinese. But I like, look, I like to think it means makes lots of money. Ka-ching! So, look, I am part Asian. My, my dad's from Holland and my mum's the Asian one. She's Malaysian. And I tell you what, being half Asian is actually pretty good. I can cook a half-decent stir-fry. When driving, I only need to indicate half the time. And I'm only a half-disappointment to my parents. It's great. Absolutely. Well, look, my, my mum my is quite traditional. She, um, when I told her that I was going to quit my job and go travel the world and start a business, she said, cannot If you want to travel, you marry a rich man. Look, I actually thought this was quite good advice. Unfortunately, the first rich man I found, he was already married. So I killed him and took all his money. Ka-ching! <laughs> People, like to look at me a lot of people can't actually tell that I'm Asian I mean I've got wavy hair I've got freckles and compared to most tiny Asian girls I'm the size of fucking Godzilla well, I used to hang out with a bunch of Asian girls and we would do hip-hop dancing together and they'd be all light on their feet all dainty you know doing these ones <laughs> meanwhile I'm at the back going <laughs> leaving a trail of death and destruction in my wake <laughs> They're running away going, ah, take a selfie, ah! Checking on their bubble tea, ah! They're dead to me now. Because I accidentally crushed them with my giant fucking feet. So they're dead to me now, but it's okay because they only really half accepted me anyway. So, um, so I, I like to go to, I do go to Malaysia to visit my relatives. Uh, quite frequently and because of my giant size it's actually really depressing to go clothes shopping I went to my favorite Asian store you may have heard of it Louis Vuitton <laughs> I don't know. I went to, so I went to this mall in Kuala Lumpur and the only clothes that fit me was size XXXL men's <laughs> ladies if you want to give your self-esteem a boost go shopping in Asia <laughs> or Springdale whatever's easier uh, so look, before I became the CEO of my own company, that's Chief Entertainment Officer, I, I was an architect. And the weird thing about being an architect is that people come up to you when you tell them I'm an architect, they'll say, Oh, you're an architect. You must make a lot of money. And I, got, I used to get so mad at this because firstly, architects make bugger all. I make more money drug running for the bikey gangs. It's a much more stable career choice. And secondly, I find it so rude to just blurt out the first stereotypical assumption that you have of that profession when you meet someone. For example, if I meet an accountant, I don't say to them, ooh, you're an accountant, well you must be boring as fuck. 
I'm much more polite about it. I'll say, oh, so you're an accountant. You must be boring as fuck. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You've been absolutely wonderful. There we go. As you could hear, I, I got a bunch of laughs from the audience, which was amazing. And that was the goal, of course. Um, in stand-up comedy, the only measure of your success is how much laughter you get from the audience. That's it. It's not how many people follow your Facebook page after or buy your book or ask you questions or take extensive notes. No, it is how much they laugh. And based off that, I was pretty happy with how it went. Big hugs and love to my parents, my Asian friends, and my accountant. Everything I said about you was a lie. Well, maybe half of it was a lie. Okay, well, my mum did tell me to marry a rich man, but I still love you, mum. I still love you. Now, if you want to see the full uncut video of my set, too bad because I destroyed it. No, just kidding. I'll link it up in the show notes, but look, please do not openly share it and tag me in the video. Just quietly watch it, chuckle to yourself and go about your day and and just leave it. It's like I said, it's I sort of want to share it, but at the same time, it's not my usual professional shtick and I don't want to put that sort of content out there because it's just not me. The only reason it was you know, rude and all of that is because that's what got laughs and um, and that's just how it ended up being. I, w- I did not intend it to be that way. That's just how it ended up being. Um, so if you do want to see that video, the link will be in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash comedy. That's thecmethod.com slash comedy. All right. So that was my experience with the School of Hard Knock Knocks stand-up comedy course. Overall, had an awesome time. Really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. They are not paying me to say this, by the way. I don't get commission or anything. Um, do check out their website, schoolofhardknockknocks.com. Um, I'll put links to that in the show notes as well if you do want to give it a go. Um, and next week, what I will do is I'm going to share with you lessons from stand-up that you can apply to your business presentations and communication. Okay, so it's going to be a bit more practical in that sense around how can you take what I've learnt, well, how am I taking what I've learnt and applying it to my work and how you can do that too. So keep an ear out for that one. Um, looking forward to that one as well. Cool. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, oh, one real quick announcement. Um, if you're into podcasting, if you want to start a podcast or know someone who does, Aaron and I, my business partner and lovely fiance, Aaron and I will be running a podcast training day. It's open to anyone who is in Melbourne. It's a live training course. It's on April 28th. Um, I will link that up in the description of this podcast. So on your app, go to the description. There will be a link there to where you can get tickets. It's happening on Saturday, April 28th. Only 10 people will be, well, there's only 10 spots available. We're keeping it nice and small. Um, really excited for it. It's going to be awesome. We're providing all the all the microphones and all the equipment so you don't even need to bring your own stuff. Um, so go and sign up to that. I look forward to seeing you there. Keep on being awesome, Rockstar. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.
Would you mind sharing with us one of the jokes that you'll be doing tomorrow night? So my name's Adam. My parents have pretty lofty expectations of me, you know. They named me after the first man to come on earth, but uh, I always come second. <laughs> Here's how you know I'm American. I know the name of more Kardashians than presidents. It's weird. I'm engaged to a twin, and she's got a twin sister. And people go to me, Liam, how can you tell them between your twin sister and your fiancé? And I just tell them, one's fantastic in bed, and the other one's my fiancé. So I once asked my grandfather, I said, Grandpa, Grandpa, how is it that you and Grandma survived 50 years of marriage? She said, he, said, he leaned over and said, Mark, Mark, it's really simple. You go out for dinner once a week. I went Tuesday, Grandma went Wednesday. So my grandfather's got Alzheimer's, and the hardest thing about having Alzheimer's, they say it's hereditary. And the hardest thing about having Alzheimer's is they say it's... <laughs> so I'm recently 18, and I've just started going out. And the other night, I was... I was out at a club and this, this strange man, he came up to me and he offered me a cocktail. So I thought back to what my mum had told me about strangers and drinks. So I sculled that shit because mama didn't raise no pussy. Oh. <laughs> we should rename you Rude Ruby. Yeah, that's a good one. I was going to say Rudy, but that's just the name. It's not like funny at all. <laughs> Thanks, Ruby.